And that's part of, I guess, that's part of family time. Have was provided by someone else that we don't, uh, maybe we don't even know. Maybe we don't know anybody that was in the military. I know, I don't know, I know that we have uh, Clarence here was in, the, was in in the war. He's a veteran. Is anyone else here this morning in the service, served in our military? Brian? Dean? I know my husband spent 14 years in the reserves. <laughs> I want to say thank you. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your for willingness to go. And during this weekend, spend some time to relate, reflect on why we enjoy the freedoms that we, we have. Because our veterans and the people that sacrificed so much for us, we kind of forget. And we need to be reminded, and I was a little disappointed that video didn't show up because the, the sound kind of made it a little, little more impressive. So you only got half of it, but you got to see just some of the things that that uh, our freedoms cost people. And yet we also see the benefits of people's sacrifice. The little girl that was held by the soldier, crying, and they comfort him. Because see, all we hear on the news, all we hear about is all the people that we've killed and all the things that we've done. We don't ever see any of the good stuff that we've done. If you want to see the good stuff that our military's done, you have to go to a different site because the mainline media isn't going to give it to you because they don't want to let you see that because they don't want you to think that supporting this war is a good thing. So they want to keep all that from you. But because of other people's sacrifices and because of what everyone else has done for us, we can enjoy the freedoms that we have. So uh, Proverbs 14:34 says, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to our, all people. We take our freedom for granted so much every single day of our life. We gripe and we complain about all kinds of things that we have. And we take it for granted, like here this morning. We come to church this morning. We don't have to worry about sneaking in a building somewhere. We don't have to worry about somebody harassing us, about coming in, into the church to worship this morning. And that's because of the free freedom that other people provided for us. In other parts of the country, in China, the Sudan, and North, North Korea, and a lot of other places throughout the world, they don't have that freedom. They have to go to underground churches and hide and sneak around because it'll cost them their life. And yet here we are in America. We can come to church anytime we want that there's service. And yet we can't be bothered to come on Sunday nights or we can't be bothered to come in the middle of the week. Well, that's your right. See, because the same people that died to provide freedom for us to come to church are the same ones that provided the freedom for you not to come to church. So I'm thankful for, the, for what other people paid for my freedom. I'm thankful for that. Now, no one likes war. There isn't anybody that likes war that's in their right mind. But see, freedom that we have today wasn't given to us on, in the, from the boardroom. It was on the battlefield. We earned the freedom on the, on the battlefield, not in the boardroom. Nobody negotiated our freedom that we have today. It was bought and paid for in blood. The blood of our forefathers, the blood of our, of our young men from all, throughout all our history. And they're still sacrificing their lives today. The battlefields are still covered with red of American blood for freedom that we enjoy every single day. Now, Patrick Henry, Henry says, give me liberty or give me death. And that was the whole attitude of our forefathers. See, there's some things worse than war. And Patrick Henry and our forefathers, they knew that there were some things worse than, worse than war. They would rather have freedom than anything else. And when you have something that you're willing to die for, 
it's got to be important to you because it's not anything for your family. Because these soldiers, these men and women who died, they didn't die just for their own families. or They died for our families. I grew up in the Vietnam era of time, and I'll tell you, I was embarrassed as an American citizen to see the way that our country treated those vets who went and were willing to fight a war. See, soldiers don't get to choose their battles. Leaders choose the battles for them. And yet, when they choose something we don't disagree with, we turn our back on, our, on the people that are willing to go. And that, that was just a shame. That was just a just total embarrassment to us as American citizens. And I'm so thankful that this new war that we're fighting today, they're treating our veterans with a little respect. Because they need to. Because they're fighting a war that maybe they didn't want. You know, they don't like war either. But some Christians always believe that any war is wrong. And they believe that, hey, it doesn't matter. We shouldn't war. We're supposed to turn the other cheek. We're supposed to be peacemakers. Well, sometimes that doesn't cut it. Sometimes you have to fight. But are we willing to do that? We have men in uniforms and women in uniforms that are willing to fight for those freedoms that we enjoy every single day of our life that we take for granted. And one day, maybe we won't be able to have the freedoms that we have. But as long as we have the men and women that are willing to go and willing to fight, we can, we can have a confidence that we, we will stand free. But we need to realize that uh, war isn't always the idea of other, all, everybody involved. And some people say, hey, the Bible says thou shalt not kill. I don't believe in killing. Well, neither does the Bible. But see, they get that scripture mixed up, and it means thou shalt not murder. You're not supposed to murder anybody, whether it's in war or in peaceful times. That's against God's commandment. But sometimes you need to fight for what you believe. And if you're not willing to fight, then the other person will. So we have to decide those things. And sometimes we we have no choice but to fight. The hippies in the 70s, that was the generation that I grew up in. I was never a hippie, though. I didn't have any flowers in my hair or anything. I sang the song, but I didn't, didn't have any flowers in my hair. And they protested everything, make love, mate, not war. But they forget that it was the World War II veterans was the ones that gave them the right to protest. They gave them the right to, to do everything that they do. And if everyone in the, during the World War II era had felt like they did and make love and not war, they'd be saying, Heil Hitler! Because most of the people, most of the wars we become involved in is because somebody wants to dominate everybody else. And when you dominate, when you're in charge, you determine the rules. And that's the reality of it. So there are some things worse than war. Some people will kill, steal, and destroy. That's the nature. We live it. We have a human nature within us. And if that human nature is turned loose or the sin nature is turned loose, then people will be murdering. They will be killing. They will be destroying everything that they can do. And they want people underneath their thumb. That's the reality of it. Power corrupts ultimately just about everyone. It's hard to deal with power. That's what the problem that people have when they get up on the hill. They get a little bit of power underneath their belts and they think they're God. And they start making decisions that all they think, well, oh man, this is going to get me more power. This is going to get me more of this. Me, 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 me. They forget, well, who sent them there? That's when we get in problem is when their power that they search for and they strive for, it corrupts them. Because power will corrupt. Unless you have your, have your life dedicated to God, power will corrupt you. 
because it's just like a, a drug. You get addicted to it, and you just can't help yourself. You just got to have that power. I've got to drive the nicest car. I've got to do this. I've got to live in the nicest house. I've got to do this. I've got, I've got to have this. I've got to have that. We want that stuff. That's what happens when our lives aren't committed to God. So but power will corrupt, corrupt ultimately just about anyone without God in their lives. And see, we, believe, we make the mistake of believing that advanced technologies, more education, and more civilized civilization, then with all those stuff, it makes us kinder and nicer people. That's humanism. But that isn't Bible. Because in Matthew 24, 6 and 7, it says, And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, and see that you be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in divers places. Wow! I don't think we're going to get rid of wars for a while, do you? And these are the last days. Now, I don't know what... It, actually, we had, do have more wars than we've ever had at any time in history. But the Bible said it would. And the closer we get to the end times, the closer... The more wars we're going to have, the more earthquakes, the more things that we're going to have. That's what the Bible says. So it says, don't be afraid of it. Don't worry about it. Don't be concerned. I'm just letting you know. So when these things happen, you'll know that, hey, I didn't surprise me any at all. Because sometimes when things happen, we think God's surprised about it. And we say, God, didn't you see that over there? What are you doing? Sitting, sitting, where are you at? Why don't you do something over here? Because we think that God didn't know this was going to happen. But see, God's seen everything from the beginning to the end. See, our whole environment or our whole universe is like a snow globe to God. He sees everything. Have you ever had a snow globe? Inside that snow globe, you have different scenes. You may have a Christmas time is usually the most common times you see them. And you may see a little house. And you want to make it snow, you shake it. And then it snows and it's real pretty. Well, that's the way our environment is with God. He can see the whole thing. He knows what's going on. He isn't blind to anything that goes on in our life. And God cares about us individually. And nothing that happens in our life individually is a surprise to God. He knows what's going to happen before it happens. And he also knows how we're going to respond to it. So nothing surprises God. And God said there's going to be wars as you get closer. There's going to be more wars and more wars. Why? Because more people want power. I want power. I want more power. And technology, all it has done is increase the desire for war. Hey, I can find out there's more people out there I can conquer. I've got the Internet. Man, I want to conquer them. I want to own the Internet. That's what they're trying to do in America. Let's filter the Internet. We don't want the people to have any more information than what we want them to have. We're getting there. And if God doesn't intervene, we're going to be in deep trouble. The Bible says things are going to get worse, not better. So if you think the Bible says it's going to get better, hey, you need to think it through again because that isn't what the Bible says. So don't be surprised. In 2 Timothy 3.13, it says, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. See, we're not going to have peace until Jesus comes because he's the only one that can stop wars. That's the reality of it. Until he comes, we're going to have wars. Until the Prince of Peace comes and sets up his kingdom, we're not going to have peace. I don't care what anybody says, we're not going to have peace. They can make all the peace treaties they want, but peace treaties, how many peace treaties have we had that somebody didn't break? And then it starts another thing. Well, all we got to do is make a peace treaty and it's going to make everything fine. We've had too much of that in the past to know that peace treaties aren't the answer. 
You can make as many as you want. That doesn't going to change people's hearts. Only God can change people's hearts. <clears throat> and until then, we live in a fallen world with a fallen nature. That's the problem. See, when our nature's changed, then things could change. So if, everybody, if we could get everybody's nature, human nature, to be changed and turn their hearts to God, then things would change. But we know that isn't going to happen. I'd love to, for it to happen, but the reality is we have a fall, everyone has a fallen nature. Now, is it ever right biblically for a nation to go to war, and should a believer participate? Now, a lot of people have differences of opinion of that, but the best place to find the answers is that's in the Bible, because I think God knows a little bit about war. And if you uh, have read the Bible at all, you know that God was involved in a lot of wars. <laughs> He's filled with examples where he fought wars, where he did them themselves. A lot of times God would just kill the people themselves and give them the victory where they didn't have to do anything. But that's, not the, that's more the exception. It's not the rule. Usually God fights wars, but he wants to fight them through us. And that's the reality of that. The children of Israel wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Why? Because they wouldn't go fight the enemy. They wouldn't take possession of their promised land. So they got to wander in 40 years in the wilderness until they were willing to fight for what you believe. See, if, you don't want to, if you're not willing to fight for what you believe, guess what? What you believe isn't going to happen. And I found that true in my own life. If you want to, if you want to work for something, then you have to work for it to get it. If you want a new car, you've got to work. You've got to get the money in order to do that. You've got to get a job. You can't just go out and say, I want a new car, and then not pay for it. They won't let, that don't work out very good. I know they did that here a while back with houses, <laughs> and look at the mess that ended up being. Everybody has the right to have a house. Well, I believe everybody has the, has the right or the opportunity to be able to try and gain a house. But it isn't everybody's right for me to give them one. I, nobody gave me mine. Did anybody give you yours? See, I didn't have no rich relatives that died and gave me anything. My mother died, I got to help pay for the funeral. So that, you know, I got left a lot. <laughs> so if you're waiting for that, hey, you're going to wait a long time. <clears throat> so if you want to need something, you have to be willing to fight for it. Uh, David was considered a man of war. And we talked about that last week, I think it was. He was a man of war. And yet, on one hand, he was a man of war. And on the other hand, he was a man after God's own heart. Now, man, that doesn't just doesn't sit right, does it? That didn't make any sense. How can you be a man of war and be a man after God's own heart? Well, obedience. It's called obedience to do what God tells you to do. Sometimes God wants us to fight. Sometimes God wants us to sit. But we have to know what the difference is. 1 Timothy 6, 12 says, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Now, fight the good fight of faith. You mean it isn't going to be given to me with whatever? I have to fight for something? If you want it, bad enough. Lay hold of eternal life. Eternal life is, is available to everyone who comes to Christ. All they got to do is accept him as their personal Savior, acknowledge he died on the cross for their sin, and there it is for you, but you got to lay hold of it. You got to receive it. You got to physically take possession of it. And then you got to fight the other opposition that doesn't want you to have it. There's a lot of people who aren't, aren't going to be happy if you get saved. And if you think they are, you haven't been a Christian long enough. <laughs> When I got saved, people didn't like it. My own family didn't like it when I got saved. My friends didn't like it when I got saved because I was ruining their friendship. Man, what have you done to our friendship? Well, it didn't do it any good. And of all the friends we had, we only got one set of friends that stuck with us. And they're Christians. That's why they got saved. 
But the rest of them, man, they didn't want any part of that stuff. Oh, we don't like you anymore. You're no fun. You don't want to go out drinking and partying with us. You're not fun anymore. Have you found that to be true? So you don't have to do anything. Now you can say, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to ruin our friendship. Or you can fight the good fight of faith and know that if you're not willing to give up something for God, then how do you expect this person to find God? If it's important, if that's if it's that important to me, then they're going to know if it's important, and they might give it a second look. If we try to hide everything, then they're going to think it's not important. See, people don't die or live for things that aren't important. If it's important to, to you, then you're going to give up some things. You're going to fight for it. Sometimes everything that we want in life, we have to fight for. Maybe not the way that we did for freedom, where we may have guns and shooting and that kind of stuff, but there's other kinds of battles that we have to fight. They're sometimes worse than, than that kind. At least there you know who your enemy is. <laughs> Around in this environment we have, we don't know who our enemies are. We, our friends sometimes are the ones that hurt us the most because our guard's down, and man, they wound us greatly. And sometimes we get hurt in the church. You can get hurt and wounded in the church by Christians. If you don't know that, just stick around. It'll happen. We let our guard down, and then we're so surprised. Well, we forget that we're all human. And we don't, when God saved us, he didn't put us in a bubble and prevent us from, from being human beings. We have to fight the good fight of faith. We have to fight not to, to give in to the things that the flesh wants out of us. We have to fight not to be able to, to do things that's going to hurt other people. And sometimes we do things we don't know we hurt other people. We do a lot of that. We don't know it. See, in a regular war, it's kind of, you know, we do have friendly fire that people have died from. Well, in the church, we have friendly fire. <laughs> don't like it. <laughs> but some things in this world can only be prevented by war. And some people say that the war in Iraq isn't our battle. It isn't our war. But see, when I was growing up, communism's goal when I was growing up was to world domination. That was its goal. That was its whole reason for being. They wanted the whole world to be under communism. Well, today, Al-Qaeda, that's their goal, world domination. That's their goal. The question is, are we willing to fight for it? Fight for what we believe. Or are we going to do nothing and let them achieve their goal? See, if we let them achieve their goal, there's no fighting involved. But if we don't want Al-Qaeda to achieve their goal, then we have to fight for it. That's the reality of it. You can't have something if it's important to you if you're not willing to fight for it. Now, I know uh, in Romans 12, 18, it says, Do everything possible on your part to live in peace with everybody. Now, we try to do that. We're supposed to try to live in peace. We don't choose war as, a, as the first choice that we want to do. That war isn't our first choice. It should be our last choice. But after we've got to the last choice, we have to decide, are we going to fight for it? And we know that the enemy that we're facing in this war that we're facing isn't a normal enemy. It's different than any other enemy that we've ever had. It's a religious war. We're in a religious war. In case you didn't know it, this is a religious war that we're fighting. It's either the God or the Bible, and that's why they hate us. Why are they bombing us? Why are they killing us? Why are they doing all these things? Because they don't like our God. They like their God. And their God says, kill your enemies or kill the infidels, kill the non-believers. And you're a non-believer. If you're not a Muslim, you're a non-believer. And they even carry it a step further. See, they're fighting within their own religion. And that just blows my mind. They got the same God. It ain't our God, but they got the same God. And yet they're killing each other because they're Sunnis and someone else is somebody else. And I can't keep it all straight. Be just like us killing the Baptists. 
and killing everybody else that wasn't assemblies of God. Does that make any sense to you? Doesn't to me, but that's what they're doing over there. And those are the people we're trying to negotiate with. Well, see, they believe that the only way that their Messiah, the Madiha or whatever his name is, is going to come is through war. And then they're going to come and they got to kill everybody and it's going to force him to come. And then he's going to take possession of the whole world. See, we don't believe that. <laughs> we believe Jesus is going to come in his own time. And we're supposed to be able to reach out to the lost and let them come to him because he makes their lives better. If you've ever read the, the religion and the beliefs of that, it doesn't make your life better to be a Muslim. The women live in bondage. I wouldn't be able to be up here this morning under that religion. I'd have to have my face covered, and I wouldn't be able to talk or say anything in public where men were involved at all. I don't like that. I'm glad Jesus freed everybody. And America has kept us free. So we can sit there and think, well, I don't know about this. You know, we shouldn't have done all that. Well, they shouldn't have come and bombed us either. See, they started it. <laughs> Somebody else started it. And that's usually what happens in America. Somebody else starts it. Pearl Harbor started World War II. And a lot of times we get involved in wars because we're helping the oppressed of other people. And that's kind of what we're doing now in Iraq, trying to get uh, peace. Uh, Romans uh, 12, 19 says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourself, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Now, God doesn't like vengeance. He didn't provide us or tell us, say, it's all right to go out and kill somebody because they did something wrong to you. But that's an individual thing. As a nation, if somebody doesn't act a war against us, we're obligated to do that. Because if we don't, what's going to happen? They're going to keep doing it. And pretty soon we're going to say, what happened? What happened? You're going to wake up one morning, what happened? Well, it's, it was a gradual process. We let a little bit slip in, a little bit here, a little bit there. We weren't willing to fight for our freedom. We weren't willing to stand up and protest the things that we need to protest for. Now, Luke 21, 24 says, And they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captives in all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Now, if you had a sword back in those times, the sword wasn't just something that you looked at. It was something that you used for battle, but it was also used for defense. So, and there's one place in the Bible, I forgot to write it down, where it says, Peter said, or Paul, it's not, not Peter. Peter said, I have two swords, and he says, here, that's enough. Now, we don't need to physically fight sometimes because we have God, but God has to determine what those times are. And sometimes we do. Sometimes what we believe in is we're fighting for. So swords were, were used for basically a lot of self-protection. We need to self-protect ourselves. And if somebody breaks into my house, hey, I'll shoot you. <laughs> you know, I got a gun, I'll shoot you. You know, I'm not going to sit there and ask, did you come in for dinner? Did you want something to eat? Did you come? Did you borrow some money? Did your car break down? I'm not going to ask those kind of questions. Because if they're breaking into my house, they have evil intentions. And I'm just supposed to say, oh, I'm so, oh, how glad of you to come. I'm so happy you came to visit. That's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> that wouldn't happen in our house. Our pastor told us, he said, hey, you break into my house, I'm not going to ask you if you came to dinner. I'm going to shoot you. And if you get out of the house and bleed out there, I'm going to drag you back in the house and let you die there. <laughs> so I believe in self-protection. And I believe that the God supports self-protection. Because if you 
If you read the Bible at all, you know that God wasn't for letting his people get beat up on forever. Amen? In, uh, let's see, in 1 Samuel 17, 29, David said, Is there not a cause? Now, he said this just before he fought Goliath. And his brothers were harassing him about fighting Goliath and everything that he was doing involved in that situation. And so he asked, isn't there a cause? You know, he's surprised that nobody's doing anything. He's letting this Philistine terrify him. And he's wondering, what's going on? Don't you have a cause here to fight for it? Aren't you fighting for your freedom that God has given you? You're supposed to be doing something. Now, how many think that fighting Goliath was a good idea? I think it was a good idea. I think he made the right choice. But he could have just stood by and, and shivered in his boots like the rest of the army of Israel did. And they'd been in bondage to the Philistines. But see, somebody has to be willing to step out in faith and fight. We were watching a lot of these old, old war movies yesterday, some of the older ones. And uh, I'm sitting there and I was just amazed because, you know, I haven't watched them since they first came out 30 years ago or 40 years ago, whatever it was. And I was amazed throughout the, throughout the movies how it talked about how the Japanese, one of, the, one of their airplanes, couldn't take off on time, you know, set spy planes out in all directions. And they said, oh, one of our planes is going to be late. He can't take off because of something. So, okay, we'll send him out later. So that made it a half hour behind the schedule of the other guys. And that was the particular plane that would have spied our forces. And it would have been able to deter the Battle of Midway. This was about Midway. And uh, then when they got out there and they seen our forces and they seen our, and they seen our ships and everything, man, they're, sitting, they're trying to call on their radios to inform them, yeah, they're coming from here. But their radio didn't work. <laughs> You know, and if you read all these things throughout our history as America, there's a lot of that that went on. Well, was it just happened to be like that? Do you think it just happened? See, I don't believe in just happens. I believe things like that are an anonymous miracles of God. See, God does get involved in our wars. And we've been victorious throughout all of our heritage because God has had his hand on our nation. And God believes in the causes that we believe in when we're righteous. Well, we're not righteous, he doesn't like the causes, then, of course, he doesn't help us. And that's the problem we have sometimes, is that he doesn't help us. <clears throat> on set, you know, on the, we are free today not because of Cheryl Crow, George Clooney, Jane Fonda, or Phil Donahue sacrificed their lives. That isn't why we're free. Not me, they didn't provide anything for my freedom. All they do is embarrass our nation. That's all they've managed to do. We are free because of brave men and women who have been willing to put themselves on the line, to put themselves in harm's way, to be able to fight for what we believe in. And our soldiers are basically religious in their hearts. Most of them are rare, righteous people. Most of them, especially, you know, you have to be. You go out there and people are shooting at you. That makes you religious really fast, I think, don't you? <laughs> But we're not there because of them. And where were all these movie stars and where were all these protesters on 9-11? Where were they? They weren't to be seen. They waited until we had a war. Oh, we cannot have our young men and our young women going over there and dying. Now, I agree there isn't anything that's worth those people, the blood of our young people or our young men and women. You know, it's not worth it in our physical mind. But they knew that they had to be willing to do that so we could enjoy freedom. If they weren't willing to do it, we wouldn't have the freedom that we have. There'd be guards out here. 
We found out out what happens when we was over in Israel when we tried to go up to the Temple Mount at the wrong time. And we had M16s or whatever guns they were shoved right in our face, and they would have shot us if we would have taken one more step. And there was no doubt in my mind about it. That's what would happen here. They'd have men without machine guns or guns sitting out in front of our church, so you can't go. This is now a mosque. We think, oh, no, that could never happen. Well, if we don't have people willing to go and willing to fight, it could happen. We are free because of them. If you want to see true heroes, you don't look on the basketball court or the football field or the hockey ice ring. You want to see them, you walk through Arlington Cemetery. Walk through a veterans hospital. Go to the airport when our troops are leaving for, for war or coming home from war, some of them in caskets. That's where you'll find heroes. So you want to find a hero, you won't find them in any other kind of uniform. You'll see them in a, in a military uniform, in a uniform that doesn't make millions of dollars a year to be able to play. See, their battle is real, and their game isn't a game. It's, a, it's something they have to believe in to be willing to go and die for, because they may. When they leave this soil to go over there, they know that they might not return. And we need to honor their sacrifice. We need to honor them because of their willingness to go. And I'm thankful that we have leaders that say that if something isn't right, and if the UN won't do it, that we will. Because there's so many injustices in this world. I know we can't fight them all, but when they come on our shores and start trying to influence us, that involves us. I wish we could change everything in the world. I wish there wasn't people that was oppressed. I think it's sad that there are people in the country that are hungry and people that are abused and all these things that are going on. I don't like that. But we need to choose to be righteous and we need to do what we can do. And as a nation, when we do what's right, then God's on our side. And I want God's blessing on our, on our nation, don't you? I want God's continued blessing on, on our nation. In 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 2, says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray, the, pray this way for the kings and for all who are in authority, that we may live peaceably and quiet, quiet lives marked by goodness and dignity. We need to pray for our troops because it's a righteous cause. And when it's a righteous cause, we're praying according to God's will. I want the war to end. I do. I don't, I, I don't like... Being at, being at war. I don't like that. I don't like seeing our young people going over there and dying. I don't like that. But the cause is righteous. And freedom, if we're not willing, we can either fight it there or we can fight it here. And we're doing some fighting of it here. We've had terrorist attacks on our own soil. Act of war on our own soil. And that gets me involved. That gets us involved. So we need to pray for our leaders. We need to pray, especially pray for our leaders now. Because they need to know to make the right decisions in order to do what they're doing. They're, sometimes I wonder, what in the world are these idiots doing? And it isn't just Democrat. There's a lot of idi- idiot Republicans out there, too. <laughs> Stupidity has no borders. <laughs> and you wonder, where in the world are they getting all this stuff from? Well, they're getting it from power. They want that power. And they're listening to a different voice. And it isn't God's voice they're listening to. That's the problem. That's why we need to pray, and we need to pray for revival in America. So when we pray for revival, things are going to change. Because in, uh, <clears throat> where is that scripture at? In Psalms, uh, Proverbs 16, 17, it, 16, 7, it says, When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies be at peace with him. When we live righteous lives, God makes the enemies live at peace with us. 
We didn't have a lot of the problems that we have here until we started to lose our righteousness, when we, until we started cutting God out of stuff, when we started taking prayer and the Bible out of school. Then God started withdrawing his hand. He started withdrawing the things that was protecting us. And then we sit around and wonder, what happened? Well, what happened was we lost our righteousness. And we're not going to have God's protection the way we've had it up to this point without a righteous nation. Because righteousness and peace kind of go hand in hand. We can't get rid of our weapons and expect peace. If, you know, if people know you have a gun in your house, they're going to rob the neighbors. They had a, did an experiment here a few years ago that required one city, I don't remember which one it was, I think it was in Florida somewhere, they required every single resident in that town to have a gun. It was law. And you know what? Crime went, went way, way down. They hardly had any crime at all in the city. Why? Because they knew everybody had a gun. I'm not going to take a chance. I'm going somewhere else. I'm going to get somebody that's unarmed. But the cities, they take away their guns. Hey, there's crime runs rapid because the criminals don't need to worry. We take away our guns. The only ones we're taking away from is the, the law-abiding citizens. And we've always said, they'll get my gun and I can claim it out of my dead hand. <laughs> Death grip. Because that's a right as Americans to bear arms. And when we, as soon as they start picking away at our Constitution, they start picking away a little bit, a little bit, a little bit at a time. And one day we'll wake up and we won't be free anymore if we don't. We need a revival in this nation. And that's the only thing that's going to change. Well, we can do that through prayer. Because freedom isn't free, but neither is revival. See, we think, oh, we can pray, oh, God, I want revival. And we want revival. But see, we have to pay a cost for revival, too. We have to clean up our own hearts. And we have to come to the throne of God and say, God, here I am. Clean me up. Help me to pray more for our nation. Help me, Lord, to be a blessing and not a curse. Help me to do things that will live a righteous life and not do things that's going to uh, look at me and say, and you're a Christian and you did that? I know we're not perfect, and sometimes I do those things. And then it's worse for me because they say, you're a pastor and you do that. I had somebody say that last week about somebody else. And they said, I can't believe it. They're a pastor and they did that. <laughs> and I thought, well, some things happen, you know. We got to keep our eyes on Jesus and not on man because we're all human beings and we're going to make mistakes. And you follow me around very long, you're going to find out I'm not perfect. And I may hurt your feelings a little bit because you're going to say, man, my pastor isn't perfect. I can't believe it. Oh, no. Oh, no. And you'll be very disappointed because I'm not any different than you are. I'm just a, a fallen human being just like you are. And I want to live the way God wants me to live. I try to, I try to live my life the best that I can, knowing that God holds me to a higher standard. See, it's scary when you're a pastor or you're an authority. It's scary because God holds me accountable for everything I say, everything I tell you. I have to give an account for it. Did it come from God or did it come from Sandra? i got to make sure that it comes from God. I don't want to ever say anything or do anything that's going to dissuade people. I want to draw them to, to him. Now, we can blame Al-Qaeda for all the innocent blood that they've shed throughout the world with their terrorist attacks. But we need to look at ourselves, too, because every day we shed innocent blood as a nation. We kill our unborn babies and call it free choice. And yet we protect animal rights and the rights of these people that are terrorists. We protect them. We protect everybody but the unborn because they have no rights. But God is keeping score. See, and God has a way of judging people and judging nations that we don't like. If you found out in the Old Testament every time a nation turned away from God, they got in a mess. They ended up in war. They ended up in battles. Or they ended up in things that they didn't want to be involved in. 
Because God uses war as judgment sometimes. Sometimes he uses pestilences and earthquakes and diseases and all kinds of things he uses. Sometimes natural disasters are from God. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're just the earth under the curse of sin too. And they're, they're get, it's getting angry looking for its redemption. Because God's going to redeem the earth one day. And he's going to remake it. And then everything's going to be beautiful. But until then... <laughs> We're going to have these situations. Now we need to support our troops. We need to unite in prayer for guidance, strength, and courage to stand for right no matter what the future holds. We can't let our vision and our fortitude and our desire to do what's right, not only as a nation, but us individually, because we're held accountable too to live righteous lives. God holds us accountable. And I want to make sure I do everything that's right the best I can. I know I'm going to fail, but when I fail, I come to God and say, forgive me. And help me to do better next time. Because I'm not perfect. Our nation isn't perfect. But when we throw God completely out, we're lost. It's like throwing out all your maps, being dropped in the middle of somewhere that you've never been before, without a map, without a compass, without nothing, and say, find your way home. Hey, and you're not allowed to ask anybody for directions. (laughs) You can't. We need to have some direction. We need to have some guidance, or we're lost. And we're lost as a nation. And we're not going to get it back. We're not going to get back that vision until we renew our vision that our forefathers built this nation on. And we need to honor the people that are willing to go there and fight, the ones that are willing to put it on the line for us. And we need to pray for them. As long as we're at war, we need to pray for them. And we need to pray for our leaders, whether you agree with them or not, what they're doing. Maybe if we prayed for them more, they wouldn't make so many stupid mistakes. Maybe it's our fault because we're not praying enough. We've stood silent too long as a, as a body of believers and of a people of moral people. We've stood silent too long, and we need to stand up. And I'm glad for the things that are going on because I see hope. I see a little sliver of hope on the future for things, some of the things that's going on. John 15, 13 says, Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. Our military does that every day. They've laid down their lives. For people they don't even know. That was a great sacrifice they were willing to offer for us. But there's a greater sacrifice that we we forget about. And that sacrifice is the one that Jesus offered for us. See, he shed his blood for us because a payment was required. See, on our battlefields, we won the battlefield filled with blood of, of our servicemen. But the only battle for our salvation could only be done one way. And that was through Jesus. See, we couldn't do anything to earn our salvation. And God know the pen or the cost of our salvation was something that we couldn't pay. It was impossible. There's no way we could pay it. And so that's why Jesus came and he died. And we don't want to forget his sacrifice. We don't want to overshadow the sacrifice that Jesus provided for each one of us. See, I have accepted freedom as an American. And I enjoy freedom. I go to the store when I want. I come to church when I want. I can go do what I want to do, basically. And that was provided for our military. But Jesus provided another sacri- another freedom. A freedom that, that is given to each one of us. And I'm thankful for that freedom that he has given unto us. Have you accepted both freedoms this morning? Have you accepted the freedom of salvation that Christ provided in addition to your freedom that our military gives? Have you this morning? I think most everybody in here is a Christian. 
But I want you this day and this weekend to spend some time. I don't care what it is, you know, sometime, maybe every day or whatever, but especially spend some time and say, God, I thank you for our military. I pray, Lord, that your hand would be upon them. I thank you for their sacrifice throughout all of history and their willingness to go and do that. And I pray, Lord, your hand of protection would be upon them. I pray and pray for their families. I mean, it's hard when your loved one goes to war. It's hard knowing that they may never come back. It's quite a sacrifice that they make. So pray for their families and pray for our nation that one day we will return to the roots of our Constitution. Because people, they came here for freedom of religion, not freedom of speech, freedom of religion. And that's why religion or religious freedom is weaved throughout our whole Constitution and it's listed in the First Amendment to our Constitution because it's that important. Let's pray.